reading. And what we're going to talk about tonight is the two tablets of the law. The two tablets of the law. Matthew 22. Beginning to read at verse 34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Now notice the Sadducees, one of their beliefs was they would deny the resurrection. And these men were astute lawyers. These were very astute and Jesus put them to silence. And then it says, the Pharisees turned. They gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Notice here the Lord Jesus, when he's asked, what's the great commandment in the law? He gives an answer simply, to love the Lord with all your heart, and also the second one is to love your neighbor as yourself. You sort of wonder, it's very condensed. It's very short and sweet, as we would say. Here it is. This is what you must do. Sounds very easy. But really what the Lord is saying here is the two tablets of the law, the moral law code of God. He says, keep them to perfection. Every moment, every second of every hour, of every day, never to fail, not once. There you are. There's eternal life for you. Impossible. It's impossible. I want to look at the two tablets of the law because the Lord uses this in uh, verse 37. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, verse 39. And the second, not two commandments. He's talking about two tablets or tables of the law. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Let me just give you the ending of it before we go away to the beginning of this. The two tables, the ten commandments, six are vertical. Six are vertical between you and God. Vertical, up and down. The first, pardon me, the first four, ten are horizontal. Pardon me, between you and God up and down. The next six making up the ten are horizontal between man and fellow man. So Jesus is saying, love the Lord thy God. That's one table of the first four commandments. And you might say, but and we will look at it. There's more in that. Yes, there is. But if you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, you'll keep all the others. And then the next six, love your neighbor as yourself. 
In other words, if we can uh, love our our neighbors in the next six commandments, then we're keeping the second tablet or table off the law. And there's more in it. He says, yes, but if you love God, then you'll love others. And that means that will be on a level, playing field, horizontally, and then vertically between God and you. Does that make sense to you? So that's what the Lord is saying here. Will you turn with me? You can keep that mark, but if you want there, well, we will turn God willing to it a little in a little while. Turn with me to the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, please. And let's go to chapter 31, just. We take far too much time to what I'm going to read. I'm going to want to, want to try and get a picture painted for us here of what's happening. Um, first of all, verse 31, and just let your eye run down to the very last verse, verse 18. This is, and he gave unto Moses, the Lord God gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of con- communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony. Tables of stone written with the finger of God. Okay, so Moses is up the mountain and he gets this. Now, chapter 32, verse 15, he comes down the mountain. Aaron is at the bottom of Israel and they're saying, make us gods for Moses is away about 40 days and 40 nights at this time. And 40 is about the number, is the number of trial and testing in the Bible. For example, the Lord Jesus was 40 days and 40 nights tempted of the devil in the wilderness. The, that represented the, the 40 or the four, 40 times 10, 400 years of Israel in testing. 40 years in, the, in their wilderness. In Egypt, 400 years. 40 years in their wilderness then. So you can see all of these are, are linking together. So Moses is up the mountain. The people are saying, where is this Moses? Make us gods. In other words, make us gods. So they take all of their earrings out and their jewelry, their gold and and they melt it down, and we know they make the, the golden calf out of it. Now, if you just let your eye run down to verse 15 for time's sake. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tables, notice the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written on both their sides. On the one side and on the other they were written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. You know, I don't know, if you're signing your signature and anything, we all have our own personal signature. And when I sign my signature and anything, you know, Alison would say to me, Ken, that's like a scroll. How is anybody ever meant to make that out? It really is. It's a funny shaped K and a, a sort of a D and it's like a squiggle, squiggle, squiggle for the rest of Davidson. And you really couldn't make it out, but that's my signature. And I sort of wonder, Lord, what... Was your writing like? What did your writing look like? Strange here that God is writing on stone and giving it to man for his heart, for his life. And yet, when the Lord Jesus comes and they take the woman in adultery, he bows down on the earth and he starts writing with that finger in the sand. And you know, they're all saying, this woman has taken an adultery. It's not what men are like. It's not, it's not what it's like. People, you know what people want to do? They want to bury the wounded in the church. The church is full of wounded people. The church is full of people who never meant for their marriage to end. Want to throw them into the dust heap? 
Want to get rid of them and say, well, you're a failed, yet you could accept the murderer. Where's the grace? Where's the grace? And here the Lord writes, and even taken from an Old Testament scripture, the Lord says, I will write their names upon the earth. Jesus bends down and writes, Remember, he says, who is without sin among you? Let him cast, first cast the stone. And I'll tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't know, a good, goodly crowd has turned out tonight, especially for the bad night it is, and meetings tomorrow night as well. But I'll tell you, there's not one of us in here, not one can point a finger of condemnation when we look at the grace that's found in him. The grace that we have received. Not one of us. And here the Lord writes this. I wonder what his handwriting was like. Baffles me sometimes. Or, you know, did he write it in block capitals? Did he, you know, did, was his writing nearly like a, it was obviously like a, was it in Hebrew? Possibly was that they could read it. Well, I think that's what it would have been. And the Lord writes on the tables. Verse 16, the tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God upon, of graven upon the tables. So here's the two tables, God has written them. And then we know, if we look at verse uh, 19, it came to pass as soon as he came nigh unto the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the tables out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. Broken law. Symbolic of what Israel had done at the foot of the mountain. Made an idol right away. What was the first one? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. If they loved the Lord thy God, if they had a knowing the Lord, that, the God that they said that they would know. was not right. And they would love him. If they love him, they would want no other gods before them. was not right. And you can see, whenever we talk about the law, we're going to look at it in a, a, a bit further here. You know, whenever we talk about the law, people think, I heard a preacher, a well-known preacher one time, I sat and listened to him, and he says, anyone who preaches about the law in this day of grace, he's a preacher of death. I can tell you, we're going to look at this tonight. The moral law of God, those Ten Commandments, stand sure today as they did back then. Now, please don't go out thinking we can be saved by keeping the law. We fail the law. We're saved and kept in grace, sovereign grace. And here, the, the, the two tables are broken. Because they're broken, of course, uh, that gives the resemblance of Israel breaking the law, gives a resemblance how we've all broken the law of God. Go with me to chapter 34. Verse 1, please. And the Lord God said unto Moses, Hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first. And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first which thou breakest. Notice the law wasn't changed. You see that? It wasn't changed. God's word is perfectly preserved. And it's still perfectly preserved. Even tonight in our Bibles. Notice what he says. I will write upon the tables the words that were in the first tables which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning and 
Come up in the morning unto, the mount, unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen through it all the mount. Neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone like unto the first. And Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Now, that needs just a pause here. Moses is on his own. He's up the mount. God comes down and the Lord's proclaiming his glory. Now we're wondering what his, we're wondering what his uh, handwriting was like. I wonder now what his voice was like. I wonder now what his voice was like. You know, God is the only one who can, who can proclaim with fullness of truth who he really is. Man can, can proclaim about other men and may even get it wrong even for the good and get it reclaims him or exaggerate but when God proclaims himself through his word his glory he is exactly who he says he is he comes down on the mount to meet with Moses and, and what, a, what a meeting I, I honestly think it would frighten a life out of you I think you'd quake and tremble like the mountain did says in verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands and forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty. See, there's the gospel. That is the gospel in the Old Testament. What is the gospel? Here is the law, Moses. Here is the standard. Here is what uh, uh, my standard is for man to keep to be able to be saved. And we fail at it. But notice, the Lord is gracious in verse 6. Long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth. He keeps mercy, forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. There's the gospel. But how does he do it? We're going to look at it. How does he do it? In order to keep himself just. That he doesn't violate his own law. How does he do it? We'll look at it. And he will by no means clear the guilty. So when someone says you're preaching the law, as in you're telling them the Ten Commandments, and you're preaching the law of God, you're a preacher of death. No, I'm, no I'm not. No, we're not. Because with that, we preach grace. We preach the blood. But he will by no means clear the guilty. How do we get rid of our guilt? Through the blood of the Lamb. Through the cross work of Christ. There's the gospel for us. Notice visiting iniquity upon the fathers, upon the children, upon the children's children, unto the third and fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Hey, Law and grace. Now the opposite 
to law is not grace. The opposite to law is lawlessness. That's why our nation is in the state it's in. Lawlessness. Lawlessness before God. They take the law of God out of everything in society. And which was initially in our of God out of all the things in society. Then the law of man, which was initially in our nation, built upon the law of God. It doesn't matter anymore. So why here to this law? So those laws must be changed to accommodate society. So who becomes the rule? Man's heart from society to rule the law. And that's what we have today. So here Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. This is what I've written in a little flyleaf. I've wrote it some time ago. I don't know when I wrote it. I wrote, God's grace and truth results in man's adoration and worship and prayer. Moses is compelled to worship when he saw who God was. Those who appreciate him will do likewise. That's what I've scribbled down beside it. And so we see here, so he has the tables of stone. Here's the law. God proclaims his law, his word. Then he says, but I'm gracious and kind and good. So when we... When we think of law and lawlessness, we look at our nation. Grace, as I said, is not the opposite to law. Grace is the remedy. Grace is the remedy for it. For men who can't keep the law. Will you turn with me for just, uh, we're going to flick through these very quickly. Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to bring in a little build-up just to where we were there. Exodus chapter 20. And these are just little headings of each chapter of the run into this. Exodus chapter 20. Here we have the Ten Commandments. Okay? And if you were to read down them, so verse 1 God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which hath brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image, nor any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water underneath. Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. In other words, God loves his own. Visiting iniquity to the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations, or generation of them that hate me. Showing mercy. There's the gospel. Isn't that fantastic? Who says that commandments can't, you know, uh, don't show the gospel? Showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The Lord will not hold him guiltless to take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There's one of your tablets you've just read. One of the tables of the law. So chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments. Chapter 21, chapter 21 right through actually to 23, you'll find it's various laws and ordinances there. Um, it's really an expansion on the law. It's the expansion of, of the order of the law for society, for living. 
And then in chapter 23, there's a promise of the angel of the Lord. Chapter 23 and verse 20. Behold, I send an angel. Now, notice the word angels, capital A. That is not the created angels that we hear about. That is an angel. That is God himself. Know who that is? That's the Lord Jesus. He's not an angel. It means he's, it's an angelic appearance of the Lord Jesus. That's what's known as a theophany. Theo from God. And a theo, an appearance, a manifestation of the Lord Jesus. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in thy way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Notice, beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not for evil. He will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. What does Jesus say when he does come? See, at this point, at this point, it's not Calvary yet. It's not time for the cross yet. So he's not going to forgive yet. It's when he comes to the cross. And notice what he says. My name is in him. What does Jesus say? Father, I have come in thy name. It's not what he says. And I have shown them unto them thy name. I have kept them in thy name. The Lord Jesus says this. So we have the angel of the Lord promised in uh, chapter 23. And then in chapter 24, Moses builds an altar for blood sacrifice. Or pardon me, has the dimensions for the altar for blood sacrifice. And then in chapter 25, for the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence would come down. See, God started to prepare Moses, and then he's, uh, what's the Phoenician touches here, Moses? What is it, the last things you need to know? You need to know my holiness. And we can put all our, uh, pardon this expression, our ducks in a row here. We can get everything right. We can, we can do all the singing and the worship. You can even have all the ritual and the ceremony. But if you don't have the, the very holiness, the presence of God, do you know what it is? Do you know what CET would be without the presence of God? A social club. That's it. Without the word and the spirit, it's a social club. And so he has the Ark of the Covenant. In chapter 20, in chapter 20 he's given, here's what you're going to build, the tabernacle. In chapter 26, and then in chapter 27, Right through to chapter 28, you have him talking about the pattern of the, the tabernacle and then the umum and the thummim. And they were little colored stones and they used to lift them out and they would, do, they would take them out to see what God's will was at times. The priests would do it. And then in chapter 28, you have the high priest garments. Let your eye run down just for a moment to verse 31. And thou shalt make the robe of the ephod all of blue. And there shall be an hole in the top of it, in the midst thereof. It shall have a binding of woven work round about the whole of it, as it were the whole of a haberdine, that it be not rent. Notice, even the very, uh, the, 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 the robe the, without seam for the high priest. Who had a robe without a seam? The Lord Jesus Christ, our great high priest. Everything speaks of him. The tabernacle speaks of him. The sacrifice speaks of him. The very furniture speaks of him. The Ark of the Covenant speaks of him. The very altar speaks of him. The menorah, the candlestick speaks of him. 
God's saying to here, Israel, he's coming. You're walking, as it were, in the, in the presence of the, the foreshadowing of the coming Christ, my son. You're going, to sit, you're going to have his angel with you. Or in other words, he's going to be with you in presence. His presence will be with you. And when all this falls away, it won't be tabernacles and curtains and all of this stuff. It's going to be a body of flesh. A body of flesh to hang and die. How do you stay just, Lord, to forgive us of all that commandment breaking? I'm going to come. And all of this is going to be null and void. And in this body of flesh is the fullness of deity. The one that's promised that's been with you. Jesus didn't start at Bethlehem, you know. He's eternal. He's eternal. He's the son of God. He's the son of man. And when all this trapping of the tabernacle and the tent and the curtains and everything, then obviously the temple, well, when all this trappings is done away with, everything is brought into a body of flesh. And they crucified him. How will you keep your justice, Lord? I'll do it myself. I'll come and I'll die for you. I'll keep, you can't keep. I live. That you can't keep. I'll keep the law you can't keep. I live a life you can't live. And I'll give you my grace. You'll take my righteousness. And I'll wash you in my blood. Isn't it? He's beautiful, isn't he? He's beautiful. He's beautiful. I love him. I love him. Notice what he says here. Verse 33, and beneath, upon the hem of it, thou shalt make pomegranates of blue and of purple and of scarlet. Round about the hem thereof, and bells of gold between them round about. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. And it shall be upon Aaron to minister. And his sound shall be heard when he goeth into the holy place before the Lord. And when he cometh out, that he die not. Remember, I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Around his gar- the high priest's garments, a bell and a pomegranate. And when he moved and flowed, they made a sound. They listened behind the big curtain. Is he still alive? In case the glory of God would slay him. Do you know the reason he didn't, wasn't slain? Because of the blood. The blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat. He found mercy. And the blood covered him. And then it went up to the curtain and says, is the high priest still alive? Listen, I can hear the bells in the pomegranates. He's still alive. Do you know he had a rope tied around him? Did you know that? And they stood outside with a rope. And if he had died, they'd have had to pull him out with a rope. They weren't allowed to go in. Is he still alive? I hear the bells in the pomegranates. That robe without seam. How do we know? Said it before, I'm going to say it again. How do we know our great high priest who has passed through the heavens, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the heavenly sanctuary to minister there for us on our behalf? How do we know that he's alive? The sound of the bell and the pomegranates, what's that? 
the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost in the church and the nine fruit of the Spirit, the pomegranate. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive. He's alive. So we have the high priest garments, chapter 28, the breastplate of judgment. He had a breastplate on with 12 stones with the 12 tribes of Israel written on it. And on that breastplate of judgment, that's what it was. They are under judgment. He brings us before our Father. Uh, they would have been under judgment. But here he's presenting his own blood in the, in the glory. As it were, he, he, he says the, 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 the blood that he shed at Calvary. And notice, in heaven. And notice, that's in chapter 28. Chapter 29 was the consecration of the priests for their, for their work. That God had called them to do. Chapter 30 was the atonement offering, the laver of brass, and the holy perfume that was, that, that was to be burnt, the incense unto the Lord, the prayers and the setter. I mean, the, the priest, now we're, we're, a, we're a, a kings and priests unto God in Christ, aren't we? We're, he's made us kings and priests unto our God, his Father. Well, since we are, we're to be consecrated. We should be set apart. We should be different than the world. We should be set aside for his glory. And what is the laver? The laver is where they wash their face. You know what the laver is? Your Bible. The laver is where they come up and they wash their face. The priests wash their face to prepare themselves. And there was beaten bronze like a mirror. And every time they lifted the water and washed their face, they saw themselves. Reminds them they're still sinners. What was the altar for? Because then they got covered with the blood. Sacrifice. Think about it. They're ministering. We think of a wee bit of blood. Gallons of it. Gallons and gallons of it. There was blood everywhere. Blood all over their robes. Blood over their hands. Blood running down their arms. Think about it. Blood covering their feet. It was up their legs. It was right down their whole garments. Blood flowing the whole way down through the, the tabernacle and in the temple. There's blood everywhere. Gallons upon gallons and gallons of it. Animal after animal. Gallons of it. It was to atone or to cover. In the first place in the Bible you'll get the word atone. When it's not in the English atone, but it means atone. Noah was told to pitch the ark inside and out. Remember the pitch to put it on? Make it watertight. It's the exact same word to make atonement. Cover it up. Be no water gets in. You look up the word pitch and you'll find the same Hebrew word for pitch the ark with the pitch. Seal it up. Was what the done will say. Same for the, the blood flowing. It atoned for the sins of Israel. But when Jesus came, his blood was once and for all. And his blood not just covered our sins, washed our sins completely, fully, forever, past, present, and future. Brothers and sisters, there's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. And notice here, we have the laver of brass for the, the, the blood. We have the perfume it's a, representing the prayers of the saints. We have a prayer life communication with God. Now, on the back of this, on the back of this, chapter 31, verse 8 again. He gave unto Moses 
when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, two tables of testimony, tables of stone written with the finger of God. Moses, take these down for the people. And he breaks them at the bottom. So, we have the the Ten Commandments. Let me just give you the edited version. If you're looking for the Ten Commandments, you can read them, as I said, in Exodus 20, or you can find them in Deuteronomy 5, chapter 5. Okay? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. It's the same as if you'll have no one. Listen, if you love your wife, you'll have no other woman before you. Simple, isn't it? Because you love her. Thou shalt have no other God before me. It means you're going to love me and nobody else. You're my bride. You're going to be married unto me. Have eyes for me. Your heart, your mind, your soul for me. No other gods. No room for another God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Secondly, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Third, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Now, whenever we think of this, and we always hear people using the Lord's name as a swear word or blatantly just throwing it out there for the sake of using it, I'm sure you're the same as me. I get offended. I mean, it hurts me. I get aggrieved at it. In fact, not that I want this either, but I, I would get offended more than somebody swearing a curse word because it's the name that I love. But taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain goes beyond that. And it means, for example, so they're going to get married. Exodus 19, they they get married to the Lord. Moses officiates the wedding and they get married to the Lord at the foot of Mount Sinai. He comes down the mount and so forth. They become his bride. And when he says, I shall not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, this is what it really means. He says, Israel, when you take my name, live up to my name. That's what it means. Live up to my name. So if, for example, I'll use my own name and my own marriage. If Alison was a woman to go out and, you know, not only is she a Christian woman, but she's uh, 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 my wife and a pastor's wife at that and if she was to, to, to use um, vulgarity or speak in a way she shouldn't be speaking or doing things uh, you know there be, it comes back to such and such as that pastor David's in him or even if you're not a pastor well that's such and such as wife took my name at marriage that's what God's saying here Jehovah's saying you take my name live up to my name Live up to my name. And so, uh, there you have the first four. No other gods before me. Shall not make unto thee any graven image. You take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. The fourth one is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So, you see, the first t- table of stone is between, goes vertical, between God and man. And then the next six are horizontal, between man and man. For example, honor thy father and thy mother. Okay, Horizontal. Thou shalt not kill. Horizontal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. See them all horizontal, the six. So here's your two tables that Jesus spoke of in Matthew 22. 
Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Okay? This is the first and great commandment. Covers the four. Because if you love him first, all these other ones will fall into place. And the second is like unto the first. Not, he didn't say it's less. He says it's like a second commandment. Is the other ones, I shall not kill, and I shall not steal, and so on. And that's all before God, but that's horizontal. That's the second tablet. It's like the two Moses broke, then it was remade. Now, what happened to those that were remade? Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 8, please. First book of Kings chapter 8. Just want to pick a wee verse out. Okay, that's all right. Remember the Ark of the Covenant we spoke about? Let me run down to verse 9, please. This is speaking about the Ark of the Covenant that was in the tabernacle. There was nothing in the Ark save the two tables of stone which Moses put there at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. Now, they're looking back here because later you have orange rod, budded, blossomed, and bloomed. Okay? Um, and you have the pots of manna. So they're looking back here and saying, at this point, when we're speaking of, when they first built this, they put the tables in. And then the others would have went in with it. Okay? So what they're saying here is, that's where the tables were. Why? In that ark was the mercy seat, was the lid, was called the mercy seat. It's called the propitiation the propitiation means God's wrath being averted. So here we have the two cherubims touching wing to wing. The glory came down. Here's the mercy on the box. The inside the box, it's a, uh, it was a overlaid with gold, and inside of it was the two tables of stone. Picture of Christ. Hi, because Christ is that ark. Inside is the two tablets of the law. The two tablets of the law are kept in Christ. You with me? The two tablets of the law are kept in him. He alone could keep them. So where were they kept? In the tabernacle, behind the second veil, in the holy place, in the ark. Where? Because it shows us of a heavenly one coming down. That's the ark. The glory cloud showing mercy, the lid, one who was worshipped between the, cho- the cherubims and the angels of glory, and now he comes to keep the law of God. And the blood was applied. There is the glory. There is the mercy. Here is the sinner. And the only thing to save that high priest from being, uh, if you want, totally wiped out and killed was when he applied the blood. He applied the blood. Brothers and sisters, there's going to be a day stand before him. There he is. There's the glory. He's showing mercy. Here's the sinner. And what's saving us from going to a burning lake of fire, a hellfire judgment forever? Listen, it doesn't end. It doesn't end. The blood. The blood. The blood of the Lamb. Okay.
So, in Psalm 19 and verse 7, listen to what it says. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Notice that. And you know, the testimonies of the law are what? Sure. Making wise the simple. <laughs> Lord, you're right there. I'm for one, I'm, I'm he. But the law is not wrong with the law of God. Where did the law fail? The law failed in our flesh. The law failed with you and I. Romans 7 and verse 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. How do we know it's a sin? Because of the law. They'll close. First John chapter 3, verse 4. Now look what it says. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also, what does it say? The law. For sin is what? The transgression of the law. So we're sinning. Why are we sinning? We sin when we transgress God's law. So the thing about this is then, what is it that God does? Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. And verse 31. Notice. Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband. Notice, unto them, saith the Lord. See, see, we've talked about all this, haven't we? Now notice. But this, is the, this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law, where? In their inward parts. And write it in their hearts. And will be their God, and they shall be my people. How does this happen? The Lord Jesus Christ comes and dies on the cross and sheds his blood. Hebrews chapter 8. Let's go to the New Testament then. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. Hebrews 8, verse 7 says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Now, faultless doesn't mean there's something wrong with the law. It meant it was wrong with us, with man. For finding fault with them, he saith, Behold, the day has come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continue not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law into their minds and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. So, okay, we have our children and we bring them to the, the kitchen and on the fridge, 
You say, here are the chores for each one of you. We want these chores done every day. And the children read them up and down. You got them in your, you understand them? Yes, 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 yes. Do all this and do that, do the other. And as soon as they walk away and their mates call or something happens or, or the light goes on their phone and they start looking at it, it's forgot about. They carry on as usual. And it doesn't get done. The chores don't get done. And you start rearing them up and bringing them up in this. This is how we live. This is what we do. Here's the, the rules. Here's the law. The children start automatically doing it because that's how they don't know any different. Isn't that right? Because you've written it in their minds and in their hearts. God said, I had it in two tables of stone. You can look at it. Yes, we will. And walk away and do something else. But see when it's written in your heart. See when it's in your mind. It doesn't matter whether you're in a crowd, a company, a few or two or on your own. It's there. And the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, comes, points his finger on it, helps you to live right, convicts the heart, convinces the soul. Now, are we under grace? Absolutely. Because we're always feeling on it. So, the Lord Jesus said, Matthew 5 and 17, Think ye not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He didn't come to destroy them. He came to fulfill them. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 to 13, Paul says that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. He didn't say we're redeemed from the law. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. Now, what's the difference? Because the law will always stand. He's talking about the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. The law is written in our hearts. It's in our minds. It's scribed in us. The Holy Ghost is the pen writer here. And so we'll walk right. But the curse of it, because we feel we're redeemed. How are we redeemed? Through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 19 is my last scripture. Matthew 19. And let your eye run down to verse 16. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There's none good but one that is God. But if, but if I will enter into life, keep the commandments. So you want to know how you get eternal life? Keep the commandments. Notice his reply. He saith unto him, which? Jesus says, thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Notice what Jesus done there. Anybody notice anything about that? He only gave him six. Notice something else about it. It was the horizontal six. Communion with one in vertical, four. He only mentioned the horizontal six. Why? Because it was communion with one another. To see where he even stood with God. Because if he loved the Lord, he wouldn't say he was keeping them. Because he knew he would be failing at them. He only gave them the last six. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? He's already failed. If I will be perfect, go and sell at thy house, give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, come and follow me. 
When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus speaks about how hard it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. He's not saying rich men can't enter into the kingdom, by the way. He's just saying that most times people with a lot of money will want to have their pleasures that their riches brings. They can't enter into the kingdom with that. So what did we go through tonight? Tables of the law were represented the breaking of the law of Israel were smashed by Moses. The law has been preserved. It wasn't changed for man. It was preserved and given again in the second tablets. That law was put into the box, the golden box, the Ark of the Covenant, representing Christ, who would fulfill and keep the law and not come to destroy it. Isn't that right? And then, of course, the Lord comes when the tabernacle and all is done away with comes in the body of flesh, keeps the Ten Commandments, the law that we couldn't keep, and he dies to shed his blood that we might be saved, redeemed from the curse of the law. The law was our schoolmaster. Number four. You see the word schoolmaster, by the way? It's a, it's a word, uh, I, uh, let's see if I can remember it now. Piata gogo. Piata gogo. And it gives the idea more, not just someone with a chalkboard. One plus one is two, you know. You know, and used to get you up, and if you're anything like me, write a hundred lines or after school because I will promise not to be late again, you know, all that. It's not one of those teachers. They used to have people used to, uh, who had some money. They would have uh, hired a servant, someone with, uh, who could teach their children, walk them to school, walk them home, show them how to live, brought them up, and they used to walk beside them. Now, this is how we walk. This is what we do. This is how we live. No, you're doing that wrong. You're walking this way. We're doing it this way. And that's what a piatagogo was. And the law was a piatagogo, Paul says. No, this is wrong. You're a sinner. And it does bring death. It says, you're guilty. You're guilty. Jesus didn't do away with the law. In fact, he said, if you look with lust at someone, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He actually amplifies the law. He doesn't do it away with it. doesn't diminish it. He says, I'm hard for your brother. If you, if you think uh, hatred in your heart for your brother or your sister without, uh, 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 or you're angry at them without any just cause, what does he say? You're a murderer in your heart. So what he does, he amplifies the law makes it even and really what he's shown is he says you think well I haven't murdered and I haven't I haven't really I haven't committed adultery I've been faithful to my wife or my husband all these years blah 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 all that sort of stuff and he comes he says no no it's even your thought life and what he says is this law shows you you're worse than you ever thought you were you know something brothers and sisters see when you look at your brother or your sister maybe feeling a bit that the arrow come back the way and remember, we're all worse than we ever thought we were. But grace was there, found at the cross, and we're forgiven of our sins, washed in the blood. Isn't it a beautiful gospel, isn't it? It's marvelous. The law was our schoolmaster before to bring us unto Christ. It's all about him. God bless us. Mum will worship and we'll pray uh, for a few minutes. And I heard that there was maybe snow coming.